Hello and welcome back to Recover to Flourish, the podcast that aims to debunk all things eating disorder recovery and bring a bit of light to your eating disorder recovery journey. I'm your host, Keandra, and I'm an eating disorder recovery coach and I'm a survivor of an eating disorder. And this podcast is everything I wish I could have heard in my own eating disorder recovery journey years ago. And I'm bringing it all to you in bite-sized chunks to help you on your journey. And first and foremost, I just want to say thank you for all of the amazing feedback and I suppose speed of which my coaching spots had been all fully taken. Literally within 24 hours, all of my spots for November and onwards were taken. Now that being said, obviously right now I have closed my discovery course again. However, that always changes and you will be the first to know when I have any more one-on-one recovery coaching spots available. So for now, obviously, I'm just immensely overjoyed that I'm able to help some new faces and I'll keep you updated along the way. Like I said in previous podcast episodes, I am opening a recovery community. That is happening slowly behind the scenes. Uh, I create so much content amongst all of these different platforms that there is like only so many hours in the day. I wish there was more hours in the day. I wish there was two of me, but there isn't. So everything is happening slowly and I will update you all when that is happening. But for now, I'm just going to dive straight into today's episode. And it's about a topic that's not discussed nearly enough, but plays a significant role in recovery from an eating disorder. And that is compulsive exercise and movement. And you might wonder why this topic isn't addressed more often in treatment settings or society. And I think it's because society does praise exercise as a bit of a golden ticket to being, quote unquote, the perfect person. But we live in a society dominated by diet culture, where movements to the point of obsession is detrimental to both physical and mental health. And I think it's the problem with it is the fact that those around you do kind of see it as something to be praised. You know, that person in the gym that somebody says, oh, she's really dedicated or he's really dedicated to his fitness and his physique. But actually, behind the scenes, their relationship with movement is detrimental to the point that it actually sabotages life and means that they can't function and they're prone to injuries, etc. So, This episode is really going to be briefly about my own journey with movement uh, and exercise compulsions, how you spot the signs of compulsive exercise and actually how you overcome it. So it's going to be a bit of a deep dive into compulsive movement and what it actually looks like. And I know in the past, if you've listened to my past episode about lower level movement compulsions, that has a part to play. I think they are, you know, I've kind of done these episodes back to front. Maybe I should have done them the other way around. But you can go back and listen to that one about lower level movement, because I think that's also something that ties very, very closely with this. Now, I'm going to dive straight into a bit of my own story with this. Now, in my own journey, I struggled and I've been very open. I struggled for over a decade with um a restrictive eating disorder and I had various forms of treatment and it was in you know treatment cycles and residential treatment and I kind of hit a wall about six seven years ago and I'd got to a really really good point but 
I hadn't addressed my relationship with movement and it was a really strong symptom. And I had never really overcome, even partially, my relationship with movement. And I didn't see that it was a problem because I always managed to eat more and I I managed to like gain the weight and a lot of my overall symptoms had recovered. But I had strong compulsions to be moving and doing and not like just doing, I'm not talking about movement like as in formal movement, but always doing something. And that side of my illness was never really addressed. So it kept me a bit stuck. And to be honest, for a couple of years after that, I kind of had acknowledged it was a problem, but I didn't really see a way out. I was like, oh, this is just going to be how it is. And the fact is, I had to one day acknowledge that it was a problem and I did. And that's where, you know, I'm at with positive news. It doesn't mean that you're going to be stuck that way forever. And it was actually me at the time, I'd say probably about five years ago now. It was kind of like that cold turkey stage with movement. And even though I was physically rehabilitated and that was the scariest thing in the world, it was actually reading Tabitha Farrar's book. And if you're not familiar with it, I think she is incredible and has a lot of incredible advice about um, recovering from an eating disorder and it was actually her book Rehabilitate, Recover and Rewire. I think it's incredible. It's a bible, uh, has a lot of great information in there and it was talking about movement and I knew back then that I had to have a stage where I rewired my brain with movement and that's to be said, you know, I have a really good relationship with movement now and I think it is something that is so beneficial to one's mental health. I think it also has to be appropriately managed. And so I did take this cold turkey break for my brain to trust that it was safe. And I think that was my own journey. You can do it so many different ways. But I've now got to the stage whereby I can sit and eat and rest with no guilt. Sometimes There are times, again, where those like automatic thoughts come in and it's about like, oh, maybe maybe I should go for a walk, you know, and they're very, very rare. And I think it always comes for me down to stress. But I never have that urge to actually do anything with it. I'm like, that is so silly. Why would I think that? Like, I'm not going to do that. I can't be bothered with that. And I think that is very liberating to have those thoughts. And I think it's worthwhile noticing in one's recovery journey to to being recovered. It's about reframing and re-looking at your relationship with movement. And, you know, these movement rituals naturally did actually disappear when I started to address them. So I think that's a little bit of my own journey. And I'm now at a point where movement is part of my life. I think it's important for it to be because it makes me feel good, but it also is not to the point where I need to. It's like, I want to, I don't need to. And it, that is the big, big, big difference. And the compulsions, and this is one thing to know, is the compulsions to move or exercise won't go away overnight, far from it. Um, and don't expect stopping it to be easy, but know it's possible. So I just thought I would share a little bit of my own journey with the fact that you can address so many things and like leave that as a component. I don't want you to leave that as a component because compulsive exercise is 
a very, very telltale sign of somebody who is suffering with an eating disorder and is really sick. And I thought for the nature of those who don't actually know what compulsive exercise is, because I think it is very tied up with diet culture, like I said, the compulsive exercise behaviors become obsessive. So they normally develop into like ritualistic practice that must be completed the same way every time or a very similar way. And if that like ritual is done out of order or not fully completed, there's that fear that something negative would happen. So it's this very similar to like an OCD type behavior. It's like, well, if I don't do my compulsion, then something bad would happen. And then potentially that bad will happen is the fear of weight gain. You know, compulsive exercise is something that is very much, you know, all or nothing, all consuming, actually thinking your life revolves around exercise. It's very much like you no longer see exercise as an option and it's mandatory for you, despite the negative physical, emotional and social consequences. You feel unable to slow down or stop your exercise. You know, you potentially could base your self-esteem on how much you exercise or never take a break, no matter whether injury, illness or discomfort. And you organize all of your life around movement. You feel stressed or anxious or guilty when you can't exercise. And you use exercise potentially to compensate for food. And I think if you relate any of those statements maybe it's time to consider what place exercise has in your life. Because for me in the past, when I was struggling with my relationship with movement, that was very much something that was an occurrence for me. And I knew that it was a problem because the problem with compulsive exercise is even for a quote unquote healthy individual, over-exercising is bad for you or bad for one's body because, you know, the body can't repair. And if you suffer from an eating disorder, the combination of dietary restriction and exercise is very, very harmful, even more harmful than the normal person because the body doesn't have enough energy to exercise. You know, how is your, you know, and, and it's the, the question is there is like, how is your body able to exercise? Because it breaks down all the proteins from your muscle to use them, use them as energy. And actually, that is really, really detrimental because, you know, energy is needed for brain and organ function. And when your body doesn't have enough energy, your bones become weak and will break down, resulting in stress factors and other injuries And too much exercise and not enough food leads to low hormone levels, which is also linked to low bone density and end menstruation. Your body shuts down to, you know, some of its functions. And so it's already harmful to not nourish your body adequately, but it's even more harmful and dangerous when you engage in compulsive movement too. So, you know, it's not just a case of, oh, well, exercise is good for you. I think it's very worthwhile to know if you're struggling with an eating disorder and really, really in the depths of it is really, 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 really think, is this good for me to be doing right now? 
And I know many of you out there will say, I, you know, I can't do it. I don't know what to do. And I get it. It was one of the most challenging things I ever did in my journey, actually. I'd say the eating and the weight gain thing wasn't as, kind of once I got the swing of it, it wasn't as hard, but that part was the most taxing. And I know many of you out there will be suffering, you know, that similar journey right now. And you desperately want to stop because although it might provide that short-term calm, it disables you and shatters your life in every other way. And I want you to know, like I said, those compulsions won't vanish overnight. But I'm going to go through now some strategies that you can consider if you are battling compulsive movement. And I want you first off to tell people, I want you to be brave and I want you to be honest, be accountable, not just to yourself, but ask for support, even if initially, even if initially you react very defensively, defensively when challenged. You know, ask for those around you to actually help you in reducing the amount you're exercising. Say, hi, like, please help me. Because when it's out of the open, you know, you're not battling it alone. It's also seeing all of that unnecessary movement, such as, you know, excessive cleaning, you know, walk into the shops when you don't need to, et cetera, et cetera, as not an option. I think use the black and white thinking tendency, which is common with your eating disorder, to eliminate the option of unnecessary movement. It's saying, no, I won't do any of it. I want you to commit to doing everything you can to not engage in it. And it is hard going cold turkey, but you do have a choice. You can sit through the discomfort because when discomfort is there, that's when you grow. And sometimes it's helpful with that mentality to pretend you are incapacitated, like that you have a broken leg or something. You know, imagining you can't physically move can help you resist the compulsion. With that in mind, you know, you might say to me, Kiandra, how do you how do you do that? How do you stop the compulsion? Or find distractions, engage in literal mindless or mindful activities like watching the TV or reading or doing puzzles or knitting or doing a project or doing schoolwork to take your mind off the urge to move. Find something to become engrossed in. I know for me, I'm a very much one of a, I'm a project-based person. I found stuff to learn, to read, to do, to be purposeful that meant that I didn't feel like the need to move. And it, it might be a case of if you can't go cold turkey, gradually reduce your exercise time. For example, decrease the length of your workout by five, 10 minutes each workout until it's at a place of being manageable or ceased completely and reduce the number of days you exercise Set yourself an official start and stop time with that so you commit to stick to these times. And I really, really, really want you to consider to stop exercising completely until it's safe to do so again. It's really, really hard, but you have to dig into what the real you wants. Consider if the real you desires a life of compulsive walking in the cold and rain, or if you'd rather sit still, curl up and enjoy food. Bring it back to the fact that you are unwell as well. No matter whether you are clinically underweight or not, you are still undernourished or you know, underweight for your body type. Remember that you need to rest long term to heal and rewire your brain's connections between eating and moving. That's part of trusting the process. Understand that it really, really, really won't be easy. But with that like strength and determination, you will win these battles one step at a time. 
And I think part of it and the most important thing is don't expect others to understand because society does, I suppose, demonise um, laziness. And I say that very loosely because, you know, it is wrong. Recovery is about doing what you know is right for yourself, even if it doesn't align with those societal norms. This is your journey. It doesn't matter what everyone else is doing. It really doesn't matter. If you're honest with yourself, you'll likely agree that compulsive exercise in eating disorder recovery helps you deal with feelings, stay in control and maintain your self-esteem. I think, you know, there is a place for movement and you probably will enjoy it at some point, but there is a time for not doing it. And it's what's harder for you to exercise or not. The latter is probably more difficult but you don't need to do it. You know, stopping exercise to protect your health is the most impressive sign of willpower and self-discipline. So I want you to remember that. And I think, you know, I know this has been quite a a succinct episode, but I just wanted to bring the facts to you. Overcoming compulsive exercise is challenging, but entirely possible. And don't hesitate to seek support from professional support groups, trusted people, coaching like me. Get on my wait list for my next spots. Then you will be the first to know when coaching comes available. I work with clients very, very, very closely on managing this, having a plan that's right for you. You know, remember that your health and well-being are top priorities on your path to recovery. I just want to say thank you. Thank you to all of you that listen. You are so strong. You know, you are literally warriors. And one of the most important things in recovery is showing up and understanding and committing. And you are, you're here, you're listening. And whether you're on that journey or right at the start or not even there yet, just know that I'm so proud of you and grateful for you to be in this journey together. And on that note, if you do get the opportunity to, you know, listen to this and you found this episode helpful, please share it with someone who might need to hear it. Subscribe, you know, for the next episodes that come out, you'll have more insight and guests and hear things that you might not realise you needed to hear. And if you do get the chance to leave a review, It really, really helps me continue this podcast and bring more information to your channels, your channels, your ears. I don't know what I'm even saying anymore, but stay strong on your journey. That is what I am saying. And until next time, be well and flourish, please.